Welcome to The Sword and Spirit, where we take a look at the issues both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying. And now here is the host, my father, Donald Reimer. Thank you, daughter. That's my youngest daughter. Thank her for helping her dad out a little bit. And in the future, hopefully, we'll have more guests introducers. Well, we're going to do the what we've been doing, the prayer of Jesus. This is part three. And this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. We've been looking in the 17th chapter of John, and we've been discussing the prayer of Jesus as opposed to prayer of Jabez. One of the things that we're going to learn, I hope we're learning, is that just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean we need to copy it. Uh, For example, Solomon has 700 wives, 300 concubines. Well, we're definitely not copying that. Several people had multiple wives. We we can't copy that. Um, David committed adultery and murder. No, we're not copying that. So a lot of things, just because it's there in the Bible, don't. Um, it's not there for us to emulate or copy. And, and some of the prayers we don't need to be copying. Um, not because they're bad but simply because it doesn't advance God's kingdom one iota. Uh, God, sometimes when we pray for certain things, God is good and he's nice like that, so he just does things because he's nice. But that's it. Because he loves us. With loving kindness, I have drawn you. So let's go back to John, the 17th chapter. And let's uh, read through that. And then, after we've read through it, I think I'll just let my reader read through the whole thing. It's going to be long. It's going to take some time, but it's all right. It's better to, uh, you have to at least read the scripture. And then we can get into it, and I'll bring out some points. And what you do is go back and look at it for yourself and see where the comparisons are at. But that's where we're going to start. And... uh So let's get into it, shall we? When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction 
that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden. Amen. That was the whole chapter, chapter 17, a little bit of chapter 18 in there. Uh, ironically, as soon as Jesus finishes that prayer, that's when he's betrayed. At least that's how it's recorded in John's Gospel. But I wanted the whole thing read so that we get the sense of the passage out of the way. And then now I'm just going to share some things that some just pick out some points in there. Again, I'm not going to expound on the entire chapter because, like I said, when you get into the Bible, it, it takes a while. And this is these are not in-depth Bible studies. We're just uh, going on some major things. Um, you heard me talk about narcissus, where we read ourselves into every part of the scripture, where every prayer has to be about us. You know, um, you know, I want God to fix my marriage. I want God to save my children. I want God to um, do something for me. You know, my finances. I just got fired. I need, you know, now, those are things that you can pray for. Hear me good. I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I pray for those things. I pray for my health, that God keep me alive, that my kids will be successful. I do all of that, like anybody else. No different. But my point here is about priorities. I get to those things generally at the end of when my time of spending with the Lord. But we need to give more time to what God wants and less time to what we want. And so when you look at the prayer of Jesus, Jesus emphasizes one thing in particular. Now, he's about to be crucified. Okay? He's about to go through something that any normal person wouldn't want to go through. In fact, the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him. It wasn't like he enjoyed getting crucified. He said, well, but the joy, the results... Um, it's worth it. If it wasn't for the results, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have done it. But the results and the joy of having redeemed uh, his people and saving us, that brought joy to the heart of Jesus. So, the first thing he prays for, he prays about, is the glory of God. Now, he says, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the, the world was. Well, he's God, so... When he gets glorified, his father gets glorified, and vice versa. When the father's glorified, he's glorified. So they're one and the same. Okay, so, yeah, we get that. 
But the first, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy his presence forever. Our number one priority should be to pray for God's glory and to live our lives in such a manner that God can be glorified. And we want to pray in such a way that uh, we're asking these things for the glorification of God. We saw that earlier on with the prayer of Moses, the prayer of the saints. And it talks about Moses and how Moses was concerned about God's glory. Even though God offered him top position, is like, look, I'll kill all these people and I'll start over with you. You know, you'll become like the new Abraham, so to speak. Well, you know, some people would have jumped to the chance to be the one. But instead, Moses said, no, 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 no. What about your glory? What about your name? You don't want people to thinking bad of you that you couldn't do what you said you were going to do to get them into the land. And so Moses was more concerned about God's glory. And then he even asked to see God's glory. So the glory of God is something that the believer needs to be concerned about and consumed about is glorifying God and praying for God's glory to be seen in the earth. The Bible says the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's our goal, is to bring glory and honor and praise to Almighty God. That's what we should be doing, saints, as opposed to uh, the selfish prayers that generally go up. Where, so instead of God enlarging your borders, let's say, God, I'm praying that you would enlarge your borders in the earth, that you would enlarge your glory uh, to cover my house, my home, my children, the church, and to spread throughout the world, is to glorify God. We live to glorify God. That's what the true believer does, and that's what we're here for, not the selfishness that we have. Now it's, you know... Uh, most modern day sermons sound like just like self-help to me. How to be successful, how to raise great children, how to, you know, fix your car, how to, you know, listen, you can go on YouTube and get all that. Uh, you want to know the how-to stuff, it's there. Or you go to TED Talks. And again, like I said before, I'm not against motivational speaking, um, but it doesn't belong in the pulpit on Sunday morning. We need to be talking about glorifying God. And I'm not saying that sometimes some of these sermons can't be motivational, but that's not the goal. The ultimate goal is to get us to glorify God and move us to that point. Now, if motivational speaking does that, fine. But if it doesn't, then we don't need to be bothered with that. But most motivational speaking is about how to improve yourself, not necessarily glorifying God, per se. So we pray for God's glory. How do we glorify God? Well, we glorify God with our testimony. When, when God heals or does something for us, yes. We testify about it and we give God glory. Um, when God heals, he saves, he delivers. All these things are glorifying to God. And we live a godly life. We glorify God. Uh, when we live in a godly manner. Then he prays, the second thing he prays for is the knowledge of God. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Very important is the knowledge of God. Isn't it interesting that Christ attaches the knowledge of God to eternal life? Salvation is about knowing God on an intimate level. Intimacy, close, intimate level. Moses knew God. Abraham knew God. These men had their roots down deep in God. And that's what you want to do as a believer. It says in Proverbs that the root of the righteous will bear fruit. Put your roots down deep in God. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, every man's work shall be tried by fire. And the wood, hay, and stubble will get burnt up by the fire. You'll still be saved, but yet as by fire. In other words, you'll still get in, but you're not going to get much of a reward and get to heaven. Then there's gold, silver, and precious stones. Do you get that? Wood, hay, and stubble is above the ground. Everybody sees them to catch the eye. There's a lot of public ministry that's going down in ashes because it's just wood, hay, and stubble. But gold, silver, and precious stones is under the earth. It's what you don't see. You got to dig it out. You got to go find it. 
It's not just laying on top of the surface like wood where you can find some firewood or something. You got to go look for it and dig it and put in the work to find the gold, silver, and the precious stones. Put your roots down deep in God. Forget about the public ministry and, and people seeing you and all the other kind of stuff. Uh, be, put your roots down deep in God. I heard a uh, a video. It was and this was a motivational speech, but it was really good. And it, it, about from this uh, young man, Terrence Jones, who talked about the guy that's on the bench and how many rings and stuff that he won. But he was he always played. He always came off the bench. But he won the, But he still had all these championship rings, probably more than the average uh, NBA player. Got the guy's name. But my point in being is, is to be a winner, so to speak, if you want to call it that, you don't have to be seen all the time. You can be that guy on the bench that just comes off like a Vinnie Johnson, like a microwave. You just come and score some quick points and go sit back down. Everybody can't be the superstar. So instead of trying to have great public ministry, put your roots down deep in God and get to know him. Spend quality time with the, before the, the face of the Lord. Spend time in his word and that'll help you get and in prayer. And that will help you get your roots down deep in God and study the Bible. I mean, really study it. I did do a podcast on how to study the Bible and it's very important that everybody get a uh, listen to that and it'll give you some insights it's sort of like a starter kit there's a lot more things you can do but that's uh, I put together a little starter kit for people who want to get into the word but put your roots down deep in God get to know him not on a superficial level not on a level of I'm in trouble now I pray if the only time you pray is when you're in trouble then you're not putting your roots down deep in God you got to pray when everything is lovely when nothing is wrong and give that quality time to God. You know, when you get out of bed in the morning, your feet hit the floor, um, set aside some quality time for God. The morning time is the best time to do it. Uh, however, you know, depending on people's schedules, I don't know how everybody's schedule is, but, but put your roots down deep in God. Get into that prayer closet and spend time with God. It's not, it's not it's more than just a war room. It's a time of intimacy between you and God where you can pour your heart out to him. Uh, if you want to know how to pray, read the Psalms. That teaches you how to pray, praise, and worship. And what I like about the Psalms, you see every form of emotion. There's depression in the Psalms. Why thou cast down, O oh my soul, why thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. There is um, uh, elation in God. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. There's anger. Lord, I pursued my enemies and I beat them small as the dust. They cried even to the Lord and he didn't hear them. There's a wide range of emotions in there. And so the psalmist is telling us, however, you, you want to handle your emotional life, instead of blowing up at your wife or your husband or blowing up at your kids or blowing up at whoever, Take that anger to God. Say, oh God, God, I want to kill them. I want to do this. I want to do whatever. Lay it out before God. That's right. I said it. And it's better you tell God and then let God help you handle that and cope with those kinds of feelings before you actually do it. And God can help you navigate that. You're not going to shock God. He's not going to have a fit because you have a negative emotion and feel like doing something crazy that you know is wrong and you shouldn't do. But you can lay that all out before God. So instead of typing it in an email and then deleting it, like some psychiatrists say, because the danger of that is what happens, you know, so many people have put, typed up things they wanted to say to somebody, and then after they said it, they read it, they felt a little bit better, yeah. But then when they hit the delete button, instead of hitting delete, they hit send. Well, once it's sent, you can't get it back now. <laughs> but if you're in the prayer closet, only you and God hear it. Lay it out to God. Tell him exactly how you feel about any given situation. And then wait there and allow him to minister grace to you and power to help you deal and cope with those things. That's how you put your roots down deep in God. But the first thing you got to do with God is keep it 100. Keep it real. And then God will help you. He's not going to condemn you he's not going to cut you off he's not going to throw you out uh, 
and leave you and like, oh man, I didn't know you were dealing with that. I'm leaving. Well, he already knew you were dealing with it. And he's ready for you, but he's there to help. The Bible said you shall find grace to help in time of trouble. So whatever those feelings are, whatever it is, you can take it to God. God is not going to freak out. Lord, you know, whether it's lust, whether it's anger, jealousy, bitterness, lay it all out to God and say, God, I know this is wrong. Help me handle this. Help me cope with it so it doesn't overwhelm me and I can control it. Help me. And God will help you. And yes, some things God will help you control. Some things he will take away. But he's not going to take away everything. But he will help you control it and manage it. The next thing he prays for is sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Christ prays for our sanctification. And then he tells us, one of the ways in which we're sanctified, we're sanctified by the truth of the word of God. Uh, very important to look at. This is how we're sanctified. And by the way, sanctified means to be set apart, to be set aside, uh, or to be consecrated. That means that my life is consecrated and dedicated to God. Uh, very important for us to, to, to do that. In the in the uh, book of Genesis, I mean, uh, in the book of Psalms, um, God talks about the power of His Word, you know, and one Psalms one nineteen talks about Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against Thee. Um, he also says. Uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. So we don't want to sin against God. Then you hide your word in his heart. How can a young man keep his ways clean? By taking heed to God's word. So you want to live a godly life. You got to take heed to God's word. And that's what sanctifies us. The word washes us. Jesus said you're clean through the words that I have spoken to you. You know, the, just the words of Jesus, reading them and listening to them and digesting them and meditating upon them has a cleansing effect on your on your personhood, your spirit, your soul, and your body. How do I know? Because Psalms 19, listen to this, Psalms 19, starting at about uh, the third verse. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? So, that's Psalms 19. Very powerful. Look what it says here. Look at the power of God's word. Let's look at this. It affects your entire being. That's why you have to have a life of meditation upon the word of God. And to meditate means to read it, think about it, and think about it, and think about it, and keep rethinking about it. Keep speaking it to yourself. You want to speak things into existence? How about this? How about just speaking what the word of God says over and over and over again? Not to change your environment or the atmosphere, but to change you, to get it into your spirit. Because when the, when, the spirit, when the word of God gets into the human spirit, that's where the seed germinates and it grows and the roots come out and it begins to go down deep into, the, into your soul. And, it, and you become possessed. You got demon-possessed people. You want to become a God-possessed man. Can you imagine a, a man possessed by God? How powerful and effective that individual will be? Look at this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. So it affects your soul, your spirit, soul, your mind, emotions, and will, and conscience. That's your soul. Your mind, emotions, and will. 
and it revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. It gives wisdom to the mind. It's not just knowledge, but what to do with that knowledge, how to make it work for the kingdom of God. Not for yourself, but how to make it work for the kingdom of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. So I can be a complete idiot, and if I get the word of God into me, it'll make me wise. It'll transform me. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart, it, 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 it causes my emotions to become stable. You know, we're all jacked up emotionally. People have hurt us. People have done things to us. Some people have been raped. Some people have been abused. Some people have been in unloving situations, etc. But the word of God will come in and heal all those emotions. The more you meditate on it, and it will rejoice the heart. God says, I want to give you beauty for ashes. Well, that's how part of the process is. You got But you got to put in the word, so to speak. You got to open the word of God and dig into it. And that you dig into it, it'll rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It helps your, the human will. Sometimes we don't know what decisions to make. Am I making the right choice? Should I go left? Should I go right? The word of God med properly meditated upon. It will enlighten your eyes. All of a sudden, you'll have insight into things and you'll be able to make good decisions, good life decisions. So it enlightens the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And the Bible or the Word of God, the Holy Bible, is better than gold. More to be desired than gold. You know how people are like gold. They see money, man. You know, it, it's on. But that's how we're supposed to, the, 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 the intensity that you pursue money that same intensity should be pursued even more so or on an equal scale to pursuing the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. And I'm telling you, saints, once you get into the word of God, this thing becomes sweeter to you than the honey and the honeycomb. Put in the work, though. Put in the work. The Bible does not yield its treasures to the casual observer. You got to get in and dig and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you and to open the word and really do some serious Bible study. Most people get into the Bible. You know why? Because they're looking for something for themselves. And by that, I mean, it's the narcissist. They want to find themselves in scripture and every promise they read, they think is for them. Well, the Bible is not going to yield its treasures to you like that. The key to unlocking it is what we're doing here. The glory of God and the knowledge of God is to glorify God and to find out ways in which I can know God. I can learn things about him. God's revelation to us is the, is the Holy Scripture. That is God's divine revelation. That's right, I said it, the 66 books. That's the God's divine revelation to us. You want to learn about God? Pick up the book. Read it. Study it. Meditate upon it. Let it become part of your very being. Where you almost become... Let that word penetrate to your flesh. Like it says, the word became flesh. Let the word get into your flesh. Let it become part of you, where you, you yourself become a living epistle, known and read of all men. But sanctified us with truth. What truth? We need to have the truth about God. Who is God? We need to know him. The truth about Jesus. Who is this Jesus that we worship? The truth about ourselves, where we're really at. We're fallen, weak, frail human beings. The Apostle Paul says we have this treasure in clay jars. We're weak, frail, flawed human beings, and God wants to put his treasure in us. Wow, figure that one out. The truth about ourselves, and that the fact that we need a Savior, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot bring ourselves from death to life. Only the power of God can bring us from death to life. If you're alive, if you have life in Christ today, it's because God brought you from death to life. And if you don't know God, then you need God to bring you from death to life. Seek him and he'll bring you from death to life. Next thing he prays about, he mentions in his prayer that God is glorified God is to be glorified in us. In other words, that's your prayer, saints. Ask God to be glorified in us. God, glorify yourself in me. 
Let me live my life in such a way that it brings honor and glory to your name. That people will look up and say, oh, wow, praise be to God. Look at this. Not shame. So many ministries. After the person dies or whatever, they, oh, you know, he was doing this, he was doing that. And all this stuff comes out about them. Instead of glorifying God, we go in the opposite direction. Now, all have sinned. Everybody has failed. The, the truth be told, we have all failed. You failed, I failed, we've all failed. But from this point on, let's say to ourselves, we want to live to glorify God. We want to live to magnify his name. And so we need to glorify God. We glorify God when we receive the truth of God. When you're reading the word of God and you're receiving it and you're believing it, you're putting your confidence in it, because you can take every word of this Bible to the bank. It is what it is. It says what it says. And we believe it. And we walk in belief of the word of God. I believe 100% in the word of God. I stand on it. No matter what people say. It's just a book. And some men got together. And wrote, I don't care what they say. I believe it from cover to cover. And so should you. Because I have found it the, the most reliable source in my life of truth. Every single time. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and it's active. It's, or as King James says, it's quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Hence the term, the name, the sword and the spirit. The sword, which is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, and is, a, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the human heart. For all things are open and, and bare before God. So the word of God is, is alive, it's powerful, and it's more effective, more powerful than any two-edged sword. So I put my confidence in this. So God is glorified when I receive the truth of the word of God. What Jesus, what the Bible says about who Jesus is and who God is. I believe what Jesus says and what the word of God says about who God is and who he is. And God is glorified because I know that I am kept by the power of God. I have not, I did not save myself and I cannot keep myself. The only reason I'm still saved because I am kept by the power of God. Take away the power of God, I fall like a rock to the earth. But give me the power of God, I will soar like an eagle in the sky. I'll ride the storms. And the reason why I can do that, because of the power of Almighty God. Kept by the power of God. Jesus said, I have kept them. God, then Jesus prays for us to be a body to be a body that is one, just like him and the Father are one. That's a serious prayer. Because you can't get two people in a room to agree on anything. And yet God calls us to be one in the Spirit. And that's what we strive for. We try to have that oneness in the Spirit, that oneness of unity. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That we have those bonds and that unity in the church, where we're ready to lay down our lives for each other. When Peter went to prison, the whole church went down in prayer. And when one of the saints is in trouble, the whole church needs to go down in prayer. Not gossip and child and honey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? And then we talk about them and all their shortcomings and why they, you know. Look, the saints in trouble. However they got there, they're in trouble. And now our turn time is to go down in prayer and fight for that person in prayer. Just like Christ is fighting for us here in prayer. He's not only praying for his apostles, he's praying for us all the way down through history. He said, I have protected them. We are kept and protected by the power of God. And so the same thing that Jesus models for us, we have to model that. Pray for our children, pray for the protection of our family members, pray for the protection of the saints of God. Pray for them, for the, for the other believers. Pray for the saints in persecuted church in China. When was the last time I asked you that you prayed for the persecuted church in the Middle East and China? Most parts of the world, they're in tribulation. You're talking about tribulation. 
Forget the Great Tribulation. They're in tribulation right now. It's only here in the West that we have these freedoms. But don't worry. If civil war comes to this country, we're going to lose all that too. And there'll be no place safe to go. And then we'll be like the other saints then. And we'll be asking and hoping that they're praying for us while we're running to get away from mobs of, of crazy people. So, prayer for one another. The Bible says confessing our faults to one another, which we don't do because you're scared to confess your faults because if you do, you know, you'll be on blast. CNN, MSNBC, and be on Fox News. Everybody be talking about it. So I, I understand that. But the Bible says, well, pray for one another uh, that you may be healed. And so we pray for one another, we exhort one another, we encourage each other towards godliness. God, Jesus prays for us to be in the world, but not of it. Jesus is praying that we don't get consumed by the world. We're going to talk a little bit about Vanity Fair in one of the podcasts, about worldliness. Um, but we should be in the world and not of it. Not to get caught up. But so much of the church today is caught up in the political system. They're caught up with saving America, caught up with saving the world, caught up with reversing Roe v. Wade, caught up with trying to make non-Christians live like Christians. Christians don't live like Christians. What makes you think non-Christians are going to live like Christians? Because you pass a law. If my people which are called by my name is not the U.S. government, if my people which are called by your name is us, it's the church, we need to repent of our sins. We need to get back to the basics of the word of God. The nations, nations are going to rise and fall. They're going to do what they do. Governments are going to do what they do. With the, whatever conspiracies or whatever it is they, they got plot and plan, that's what they do. That's not going to change. We, as believers, can't get caught up in that. We got to stay, keep our focus on the mission of God, world evangelization and becoming more like Christ. Make those two things your priority. Drop all that other stuff because it's divisive and it keeps us apart as a church. I like what Martin Luther says in the, in the hymn, the, the mighty fortress is our, is our God. Let goods and kindreds go and this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abides still. Let it go, saints. Goods and kindreds go. Remember Lot's wife. Don't get caught up with the world and its political systems, its economic systems. Yes, we're in the world. We have to live here. Nothing wrong with being rich. That's not what I'm talking about. But we can't look at these things the way they look at them. And we can't use them the way the world uses them. God has a determination. The world has to come to Armageddon. Don't you really read Revelations? God went to the Euphrates River, released these demons to go into the earth to gather the armies together for Megiddo. Stop trying to stop the work of God. Let the government go where it's going. Let it be. Because you may find yourself fighting God. Maybe God wants it to go in that direction because he's got to bring things, the world to, con to consummation. Everybody wants Christ to come, but then when the events start happening to bring Christ on, we down there at the Capitol trying to stop it from happening. No. Mm -mm. Listen, saints. Let God handle the nations. Now we pray for the nations. We pray for our government. We pray that they make the best decisions so we can live a quiet and peaceful life. That's, that's true. But that's it. Don't take it any further than that. Let God work with the nations. Our job is to glorify God and world evangelization, to see people get saved globally, to preach the gospel. That's our job. The sinners are going to do what they do. There's a lot more I can say about that, but um, that's for another podcast. So we're in the world and not of it. We're not influenced by the world. We're kept by the power of God in this world. To be in the world, not of it, kept by the power of God so that we can go out into the world. So God keeps us and we go out into the world. He said, I have sent them into the world like you sent me into the world. Christ had a mission. And look what Jesus said, Father, I have finished the job you gave me to do. 
We're not going to, we need to finish the job God has gave the church to do. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's get the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Let's get the gospel into every ethnic group. And don't let these people on TV lie. It's not happening. Because there are huge pockets of the world where there's no viable church. The work is still there to be done. If you can't go and be the one to bring it there, then get on your knees and pray and support those who are doing it. Find them. And it ain't the TV ministry. They're just taking your money and buying jets and cars and living off of your money. Stop it. Find some real missionaries through your church and your organization and support them as they bring the gospel into these hard places of the earth. And put your money into, into good, uh, to good use. But we are sent into the world. And that's what God has called us to do. Sent us out into the world. To glorify him. To magnify him. Amen. In verse 25, Jesus said, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. The love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus came to make known God's name. I was thinking about that this morning. I said, you know, you got all these other nations around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. And I said, they don't know God's name. Now, they may, somebody said, well, they may have a, it may be God, but they may call him something different. I said, that may be possible, but let's, let's look at it this way. They still don't know his name. And God wants people to know his true name. And that word name, when we think about that, people, you know, is it Yahweh, is it Yahweh? I've heard all kinds of craziness about people who claim to know what God's name is. Um, and even when Moses asked him, what is your name? He said, I am that I am. See, names in the scripture denote character. So when God speaks about knowing his name, I don't, it can't be knowing who, what his name is because we don't know it. When people say Yahweh or Jehovah, the, the vowels were added in, Y-H-W-H or whatever. We just have the consonants. We don't have the vowels, so we don't really know how to pronounce it. So anybody that tells you it's Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, Jah, whatever they want to call it, we don't know. Okay? Um... Well, we know Jesus is God, so there's your name. If you, I guess you want to be particular, but then people try to tangle you up with that because you're not pronouncing it in the Hebrew text. Well, whatever. Uh, that, that doesn't concern me. But because God's name is not about um, the name per se, it, it's reflection. He said, when Jesus said, I've made known to them your name, I, I've revealed to them your character. What you're like. God wants us to know who he is in terms of what we're, what he's like. Loving, compassionate, gracious. That's why when he made all his glory pass before him, it wasn't the lightning and thundering and the cloud and, the, you know, people put on these smoke machines. That's not the glory of God the, that he's talking about. The glory of God is talking about he's, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's kind, he's gracious. He wants, he's just, he's righteous, he's holy. His character. Study the character of God. A good book you might want to get is, uh, is uh, know, it's called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, highly recommended and start studying the attributes of God. His goodness, his, his kindness, his love. And try to understand how that works in relation to, to yourself. That's what Jesus means by making known God's name. When, when the people were hungry, he fed them. Yes, he fed the crowd with 100% knowledge that they were going to crucify him. 100%. He knew what they were going to do. Two weeks from now, you're going to be saying crucify him. But he fed them anyway because he wanted them to know what his father was like. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, gave it to the apostles. Then he took the cup, blessed it, and then he served it up to his apostles. With 100% knowledge that Judas was going to betray me, 
Peter's going to deny me, and the rest of you are going to run and forsake me. 100% knowledge of that. He takes communion with them. These guys were about to really screw up big time and miss the greatest event in human history. Ran away like chickens. The other one got so scared he denied him. Tried to be brave, but when, they, when the rubber hit the road, he's like, and, and to prove he didn't know him, Peter started cussing. Using profanity. See, Christian wouldn't talk like this. Blankety blank, blank, blank. And Thomas didn't believe him. And they all forsook him. Wow. And yet when he comes back from the, after the resurrection, he says, tell the apostles and Peter, particularly Peter, because Peter's taking this thing hard. So tell Peter, come on back. And then he just told Peter, you, lo you love me. And Peter says, well, finally, you know, Lord. I don't want to, I usually put my foot in my mouth. So this time he says, you know, Lord. And then he says, feed my sheep. So yes, and then of course, the apostle John was there. And people say, you know, uh, he just told Peter, he said, you know, what is that, your business, if he doesn't die till I come? Um, people say, oh, the, John wasn't going to die. Well, he wasn't talking about it. The apostle John did not die until Jesus came to him on the Isle of Patmos. That's what Jesus was referring to. When I come to him on the Isle of Patmos, and he does the book of Revelation, now he can die. Before then, uh, according to legend, I don't know if it really happened, but according to legend, they, they said they put him in a vat of oil, and they, they tried several things to kill him, and he wouldn't die. But he couldn't die. Obviously, whatever they did to him, he couldn't die until Christ came to him and gave him the book of the Revelation. So that's what Christ was referring to on the beach. He wasn't talking about the guy never dying. Uh, although that'd be pretty cool if Apostle John was still around today. He'd probably be like, man, if you guys only knew. Anyhow, having said that, but that's what it talks about knowing God's name. Knowing God's name has to do with knowing God in his character. So when you see the Bible, it talks about names. That's why God changed Jacob's name. Jacob means liar, thief, supplanter. I'm, I'm a game runner. You know, don't hate, don't hate, the, uh, hate the player, hate the game. Well, he was a player in, in terms of running game. He, he, he would have been the, the ultimate dope fiend. And yet, when he wrestled with God, God... Broke him and touched and changed his name. He said it changed his character. So I'm gonna give you a name change. That's why God says in Revelations, I'm gonna to him that overcomes, I'll give him a new name. Because God's gonna change our character and we'll have a new name that reflects who we are in terms of character. Very important to see. We even do it in human beings. We look at people. You know, that's what nicknames are about. Yeah, you, we know the name your parents gave you, but we look at a guy and we'll call him this or that because there's certain characteristics about him, either in his looks or certain things, generally speaking, certain things he does, the way he eats, the way he walks or whatever, that reflects who this guy is and so or she is. Or we'll, we'll give them a nickname. Yeah. Um, so, yes, very important to see that. Um. God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So let's follow the prayers of the, the, of, the, of the saints in the sense of the ones that were referencing the glory of God. The great ones always reference the glory of God. That's why prayer Jabez is in a corner somewhere and hard, no, hardly anybody even sees it. Wasn't that great of a prayer? And did not advance God's kingdom. Your prayer meeting should be about advancing God's agenda. Your prayer time in your closet, a substantial amount of that time should be about it not advancing your agenda and your goals and your dreams in life. Although there's a place for that, but that's like I said at the tail end. You know, 75% to the God's agenda, maybe 25% to what you want to do. Or maybe 80% to God's agenda. But whatever it is, God should get the, the, get the glory and get most of the, of the uh, prayers towards advancing God's kingdom. There's also a good book out called Operation World, and it lays out step-by-step step all the nations of the earth and what the prayer needs are for that particular nation. Because if we're going to advance God's kingdom, we need to know what's happening in the world. 
Watch the BBC news. You watch American news is narcissistic. If it ain't happening here or if it doesn't affect us, I promise you it will not show up in the news. Our news media is not going to tell you what's happening in Miramar unless something, what's happening in Miramar has to do with us or it's big news, something with the Dalai Lama or something. But you go to the BBC, they literally globetrot around the world. Hundreds I didn't even know existed. They, they do stories from there. And I was like, I didn't know that was happening in this little tiny country. I didn't know that was happening. But yeah, they've got correspondents that are global. And so uh, that's a good place to start. And then you can have, you know, you can pray for intelligently for other parts of the world and other peoples. Operation World. Uh, you can go on Amazon and look up all the two books I just mentioned. And Knowing God. Coming soon. Interviews will be coming soon. And... Uh, Again, like I said, go back to the interview I did with um, Lael Divine. I did an interview with her. If you haven't heard that one, you got to hear it. Young, Christian, and pregnant. And how God brought her through that. And the one before that is, Mar is the Mars Hill Project. And I interview Val Eliason, missionary extraordinaire, woman of God. Has a powerful ministry to the LGBTQ community. So two great interviews, and yes, I have some more coming up here soon, in February, God willing. So stay tuned, and God bless you, and thank you for listening to The Sword and the Spirit. to the sword and the spirit please subscribe so that you get notifications when i when i'm done and the best places to do that is you can go to google Podcasts or on spotify uh, both you can subscribe there and you'll get notifications every time i release another episode god bless you and thank you for those of you who do take the time to listen and my prayer is that i've said something that is helpful to you and that will uh, strengthen your, your walk with the Lord. God bless.